Welcome to General Education, your favorite USC news podcast. I'm Olivia DeWitt, guest hosting for Natalie today, and we're talking with Mia Spire, news editor of Daily Trojan, and General Education's very own Natalie Bettendorf, who is also Daily Trojan's podcast editor. And they have been working on a feature story for four months now about hazing in USC's fraternities. Thanks for joining me, guys. Hi. Hi. So today is a big day. How are you guys feeling? Well, um, we have been anticipating this day for a while. I mean, like Olivia said, we have been working on this story for four months now, really since November, early December is when me and I kind of came together and decided if this was something we wanted to pursue. And it's been incredible working on the story, incredibly rewarding and challenging, but I'm ready for this to go into print. It's been a while. First off, tell me a little bit more about the story. How do you guys found out about it? How do you approach this story in general? Yeah, so I think that in general, just Greek life is such a big part of USC's community. And in the past, the Daily Trojan has done a lot of reporting regarding isolated incidents of hazing, um, crackdowns on Greek life. But we really noticed that this was a problem that needed some more extensive coverage in around December after we realized that there had been a pattern of just Greek life and trouble and a lot of challenges facing the Greek community. So we came together after seeing previous Daily Trojan reporting regarding Blake Ackerman, who is the vice president of the undergraduate student government, and some allegations of hazing regarding him. And then we realized that we had gotten similar anonymous tips regarding hazing in some prominent fraternities. And that's when Natalie and I came together and said that this was something we needed to cover. Yeah, it was also pretty interesting because our other editor, Diana, who's the features editor here at Daily Trojan, she's the one who connected me and Mia because both of us had heard allegations of hazing and concerning reports from students on campus who wanted things to come forward, who were worried that certain activities and hazing weren't being brought to light and weren't being investigated properly. So Mia and I received evidence separately about these kinds of allegations, and Diana is the one who connected us in late November, early December, saying, you know, you guys should start talking and see if this is a joint feature that you possibly want to start working on. And that's really how we connected and decided that this was something that we wanted to tackle as a whole. Mm -hmm. So you guys are talking about a lot of anonymous tips. I know some specific ones were Um, really alarming to you all. Can you talk a little bit more on how you confirmed those and what your reactions were when you confirmed them? I think that what's really difficult about confirming anonymous tips is that it's hard to go to the source and it's hard to know who can confirm some of these concerning allegations of hazing. And with any story about Greek life, it's hard for anyone to speak. And so It was difficult for Natalie and I to go straight to the fraternities and individuals in fraternities because fraternities are very bureaucratic. Like if the membership can't speak, the leaders can't speak, and often there is a shutdown and it's very silent in that area. And so we weren't able to directly go to fraternities. So we tried going to SJACs, which is basically the Judicial Affairs Adjudicating Body on campus. And to be honest, it was very difficult to get anyone from SJACs to confirm if they were investigating some of these tips as well. USC Student Judicial Affairs and Community Standards is the organization on campus that handles lots of student court issues, and that includes hazing allegations. So what really happens is once these allegations are distributed to the university, 
SJOX is the one who is ultimately responsible for investigating these claims. And what that means is there are several officials and they will look into these allegations to see if they are true and see ultimately where this should place the fraternity, whether they should be placed on interim suspension, whether they should be kicked off, whether they need to have specific meetings to see how members can comply with the community agreements. So there's a a wide range of things that SJAX covers, but traditionally it has been very hard to get in touch with them. Mia and I both went separately to SJAX and we had a lot of trouble reaching people. We had to ring a doorbell to get in and you know, we were asked if we had an appointment, which we found really impossible to do because every time we reached out to a specific person as Jax, we either didn't re- receive a response or we were directed back to USC Communications, which is not who we wanted to speak with. We wanted to speak with an official. So I ultimately went in and actually sat in the SJAX waiting room to wait for someone who I could speak to in person because we weren't getting in touch with people over email or phone. So how did you go about choosing the sources in the article? So how did you choose the sources that you trusted to be um, verifiable? So there are a lot of different sources in this article to make it as well-rounded as possible because this article is something that me and Mia deliberated over for so long about how we did not want this to come off as an attack on Greek life, nor did we want to take the stance of attacking the university for the holes in the investigations process for hazing allegations in USC fraternities. We wanted to make sure that we covered all sides, that we covered the student body, we covered the people in fraternities, whether they're inside or they're out, um, making sure that we got people within the administration, multiple people within the administration, those who have different visions for how hazing should be handled, um, as well as other experts in this field. I spoke with John Hetchinger, who is a senior editor at Bloomberg News, and he's the author of True Gentleman, The Broken Pledge of America's Fraternities. And he was talking to us about really what is so harmful about hazing and how universities are handling it now. Because universities traditionally have not been in huge rushes to get fraternities in trouble. If you think about that, it's really harming a huge alumni association and network. And that's where a lot of donations come through to universities. In terms of how we chose which sources we could trust, this is tricky because in the story, we actually do have um, quite a bit of anonymous sourcing. And what that really comes down to is our team really took this seriously. And we do have a former member of Sigma Alpha Mu who spoke to us Um, He did not want to release his name because he doesn't want to be in danger or be under any sort of harassment, but he was brave enough to come forward and tell us things that were very helpful for our story and weren't necessarily bad things about Sammy. So I think that we can tell when we speak with a source, they want to come forward for the right reasons and the things that they're telling us are worth being investigated. Speaking about the fraternities specifically, I know a lot were mentioned in the article. Can you just tell me a little bit more about their um, out the allegations against them um, and how you found these out? I mean, I guess from the tips and stuff like that, but is there anything else that you found while investigating and what that process was like? Yeah, so as a news editor, like all of last semester, I basically 
did a lot of covering of fraternities being put on interim suspension, being placed off of interim suspension, etc. So a great example of this would be, um, I believe, Phi Kappa Psi, um, Phi Sigma Kappa, um, several other uh, fraternities such as Sigma Alpha Mu, which is SAMI, have been placed on interim suspension for not just allegations of hazing and misconduct, but also drug abuse was one that popped up a lot. And the way that we went about investigating some of these previous stories and previous claims was going to the fraternity and sorority leadership development judicial conduct site and that is a website completely made available to the public of every fraternity in the past 10 years including this one that has been placed on interim suspension placed off of interim suspension or completely terminated from the university and so that's really where a bulk of the um, initial start of the investigation began looking at that website and seeing there is this pattern of the university suspending fraternities for hazing and we need to look into that pattern. One of those things that I found incredibly fascinating was actually what our anonymous source who was a former member of SAMI told us and he really gave us light into what hazing culture is like and what he said is that this culture is not just pledge masters forcing hazing upon new pledges. In fact, pledges come in to fraternities, most of them wanting to be hazed. And that was a revolutionary way of thinking and how we wanted to approach this article because we think of this as very one-sided, that it is fraternity members torturing and humiliating uh, new members to get to, you know, quote-unquote, the brotherhood. But if you think about it, it really is, when you call something a culture, it has to be from multiple sides. And so that was really enlightening for us to see how has this been persisting for so long. This conventional way of hazing is actually perpetuated by the people who it is happening to. I mean, why do you think it's still continuing? I mean, there have been deaths, student deaths because of it, so many allegations that are under investigation currently, so many fraternities that have already been banned, as you've said, Mia. So I guess what are your thoughts on that? I think that one of the biggest reasons why hazing continues to happen is because people think that it is tradition. And for a lot of fraternities, even non-fraternities, just for a lot of organizations in which there's a hierarchy and a new member class and active members or older members and leadership, I think that hazing is ingrained in the culture of these organizations. And a lot of people will continue on with hazing and a lot of organizations continue to haze their new members because it's just simply seen as part of the process. And I believe because a lot of older members go through hazing experiences, when they become in the when they become those leaders, they will continue to uh, like put on their experiences onto new members. And so I think that it's just this vicious cycle that never seems to end just because people believe it's tradition and it has to continue to happen. But I do want to emphasize that hazing is not just a problem within Greek life. It can also be a problem within professional Greek organizations or even just any any community really. So this investigation was specific to Greek life because that's where the pattern where some of our anonymous tips sourced from, but this is a problem throughout the university. Yeah, I think we really went as in depth to look at where does hazing come from and when was it brought really to the United States and into higher education. And what me and I found after speaking with John Hetchinger 
He said that in the U.S. it was actually imported from Great Britain, where older classmates would brutally haze younger classmates. And if you look more into it, it's very traditionally from the military as well. And so it's in a lot of facets of um, American life where there's a ranking and a hierarchy and kind of a very exclusive group. But when we look more into it, there's this whole side of it where it's a lot about enforcing masculinity. And at a time where, you know, we are in college, we are transitioning into adults, it's this very it's this very insecure time, I would say, where people feel like they're trying to find themselves and find a group that they fit in with. It also creates a really toxic culture where people can't really question this injustice. And it's a whole idea of creating these like second-class citizens, as Hetchinger was saying. Why do you think this story is important for the USC community to know about? And also, do you think this will have an impact on the fraternities um, that have been uh, mentioned in the article, like getting kicked off the row, for example? So this story is about student safety, student health. This is a story about transparency within the USC administration regarding Greek life. It's also a story about feeling heard and for students who are concerned about their peers on campus and about themselves. And so this is something that we think really revolves in all aspects of student life on campus, given how prominent Greek life is at USC. I think this story is important because it has all the information that the Daily Trojan has reported on, all the information that has been made public in one place. And for students who maybe believe that there is a problem in Greek life, but have never seen it been told or seen it in writing, now can look at this article and be like, there is a pattern of um, challenges facing the Greek community. This story not only is about the current crises in the Greek community, but also some of the problems within judicial affairs. And I think that every party involved and every fraternity and every official named in this story now has the chance to reflect on maybe there should be more transparency, or maybe there are more problems within the Greek community than some might have thought, or maybe it's time to go public with certain records. And so though the story is not meant to target any one specific individual, it does call attention to some of the transparency issues facing the university as a whole. Thank you all so much for joining me today and just for the listeners out there don't forget to pick up a copy of the daily children today you can read the article there thanks so much thanks olivia thank you this podcast was produced by natalie bettendorf karen navadia katherine yang and alan fam 